So five and a half months ago, five and a half months ago, we're having this elders meeting, and there's this rumor that there's like a weird virus in Oregon that is kind of spreading this way pretty fast. Question is, like, what are we as a church going to, to do about that? So we decided there that we would not have communion until Easter. That, that was what we were going to do. That was on Wednesday night. Friday night. Mayor of Kansas City, county commissioner, governor of the state of Missouri, orders everyone, stay at home, closes all churches. And so begins the mad scramble of uh, how are we going to be a congregation that's not allowed to congregate? And so began the cycle of the rules changing uh, almost without notice every three days. What are we going to do? That was five and a half months ago. We've since reopened. A lot of you here, more and more every week. A lot of you joining us by live streaming. We didn't even have live streaming five and a half months ago. Praise the Lord that system is installed so that we can be together as best we can. A lot has changed. What have we learned? What have we learned from the pandemic? More things than we have time to unpack, but I'm going to pick the top three. Top three things I think that we've learned that could really help us as a congregation spiritually. And for each of these lessons that the pandemic has taught us, the uh, Center for Spiritual Disease Control has a prescription for you. (laughs) So why don't we dive in with number one. Number one thing we've learned, in every way, we are not in control. In every way, we are not in control. Take, take this message, for instance. The message is titled, 2020, What Have We Learned So Far? When I first wrote this into the calendar at the beginning of June, it was called, We Made It. What Did We Learn? Because I thought, it's already been going on two months. How can this thing go on another three and a half months? So the title of the message will be, We Made It. Yay! Okay, so we've not made it yet. You may have noticed I have gotten up every morning for the last 163 days and written down how many new infections a day. What's the new rate of infection? I used to teach biology, right? Uh, How many new hospitalizations? What is the mortality rate? In this computer model that I have on my computer, it projects out that this will be the end date of the pandemic. Let me tell you that every day, that date shifts closer to us or farther from us a month, two months Sometimes three months based on one day's data, and it changes that much every day. The tail of this thing is just wagging in the wind. There's no amount of knowledge that you can know and put together and data that you can track that will tell you what's going to happen next on this. We are not in control. As if dealing with that wasn't enough, we now have these waves of killings, protests, riots, Do any of you have the key that can stop all this? Because if you do, how cruel of you not to share it with us. But you don't have it. You don't have it. There's like the thing that I could do as an individual that would, you know, make it better, but I can't fix it. I can't make it go away. And neither can you. We don't have control. The economy, I'm surprised we've made it this far. The election this fall, who knows? Murder hornets, UFOs, hurricanes, fires. Never has any living generation faced so many things all at the same time over which we don't have control. It's causing a great deal of anxiety. A great deal of anxiety for us. And yet, 
surrender has always been one of the marks of the Christian life. If you take uh, Lakeland's plans for discipleship, what it means to follow Jesus, they fit under three categories, togetherness, acts of love, and surrender. And I don't mean like wave the white flag, I give up surrender, but surrender to the notion that I have control and I can control what's going to happen tomorrow. Surrender says I don't have control and I can't control what's going to happen tomorrow. Look at the 12 steps put together by those spiritual masters that finally found a way to help people be free of bondage, of hurts, habits, hang-ups, addictions. And what was the first step? They found you could, you could be free if you could take this first step. Admitted we were powerless and our life had become unmanageable. Surrender is the key, a key to the spiritual life. Jesus knew this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus said, So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus said, You don't have control. Garrett, you can get up 163 days in a row and track all those numbers you like. Not going to change a darn thing. 900 years before Jesus, David wrote in Psalm 23, 4, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. So David's gone a step further. He says, you go through the dark valley like a sheep. You can't protect yourself. But there is a shepherd and his rod and his staff that he, they protect and comfort you. His son Solomon, Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. There it is. There's the one we can trust. These verses have the power to help us with our anxiety. To be reminded that God is able. He can do it. He knows the end of this. He knows the date. He has a plan for us. A new kingdom. Eternal life. He holds all these things in his hand. So, in light of this lesson that we are not in control, here's the prescription. Prescription is memorize one of these scriptures. Memorize one of these scriptures. Now, some of you have never memorized scripture before. You've heard of people talk about scripture memory. You're like, oh, I guess that's something Bible nerds do. I don't exactly see the point. I can always just Google it. But here's why you memorize the scripture. You memorize the scripture so that... When you have that moment of anxiety, when you realize I'm not in control and this is not going the way I want, then there it is. And you recite it as a prayer right there on the spot. And you're giving that back to God. Trust in the Lord. Do not depend on your own understanding. Who of you by worrying could add a single day to your life? So don't worry about tomorrow. Today's trouble is enough for today. You memorize it and you bring it out. In times like this, you may have to do that 10, 20 times a day. Your grandma probably said once, you've got to hide the scripture in your heart. This is what it meant. It's hidden down in there. And then when the world comes at you, you bring it out. And then don't forget the message last week. Don't do anything to make it worse. In fact, do something good for someone right around you. That you can do. You can do something, the best good you can do for someone right there in your own house. For someone right there in your own neighborhood. For someone right here in your own church. Do the best good you can. Now, what kind of prescription is that? Memorize a Bible verse and do something nice for somebody in the face of a global pandemic and racial tension and natural disasters? Sounds like magic. 
It is magic. It's the magic of the power of God. If you don't believe in the magic of the power of God, that by hiding his word in our heart, praying it back to him, and and doing the good we can do, if you don't really believe that that's going to ripple out and bring us salvation for the world, then what are you doing here? We came because we believed these things. Let's believe them again together. Memorize the scripture. Don't do anything to make it worse. Do the best good you can today. That's what you're called to do. And you can do that. And it will make a difference because that's the power of God. What else have we learned from the pandemic? Another thing we've learned from the pandemic is community matters. Community matters. How much of all the crazy stuff going on all over the world would not be going on if those people really had a place to belong and a place to to bounce ideas and thoughts off of and, and to be cared for and be loved and known and served and celebrated. Community makes a big, big difference. Now, I was in the room when the elders uh, met all those times to, to freshen up our vision statement for these times. And, and we came up with uh, to build a community of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. That's kind of our freshened up vision statement. This is what we're all here for. This is what we're all here to do. We should get used to saying this together. This is what we're here for. What are we here for? To build a community of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And kind of the the freshened up word that was added to that was community. Now, I was in the room when we added the word community. And I knew it had power. I had no idea how much power. I had no idea how much power it had. So you may have noticed during the pandemic, a lot of strange beliefs from the past and the distant past are suddenly springing to life again and growing all over like vines. I remember we cut a tree down in my yard once, and for the next three summers, it would pop up all over the yard. I thought the tree was dead and gone, but it's under the ground waiting. A lot of stuff's been under the ground waiting, and now pops back up the belief that the earth is flat. It's growing like crazy that the earth is flat. A white supremacy. I remember when I was a teenager, I thought, one more generation and the white supremacists will be gone. My kids won't have to do this. Nope. Polyamory, which uh, used to be called polygamy, the idea that three, four, five, six, seven people can all live in a house together and they're all having a sexual romantic relationship with everybody and, and that's, a, that's family. That's from the days of paganism. From long before Jesus, and now here it is again. Now, if you take a minute to really examine any of these groups, if you do the deep dive on any of these groups with not to, to, to judge them or put them down or something, but to actually understand, like, how do they hold that belief? A startling revelation comes to light for all three of them and many more like them. They did it for friends. They did it for friends, especially listen to the testimonies of folks who are part of those groups and then have recently come out. Uh, Read or listen to their stories. They'll say, I didn't believe that stuff before I got in that group. I'd never even heard of that when I was a kid, but I got to a place where I was lonely. I got to a place where I was vulnerable. I needed family, and they were there. And so I took on those beliefs. Community is so powerful to us that we will twist our mind into weird shapes in order to have it. Community is that powerful. We have community to offer to. Lakeland community. It's in our name. 
But our community is not based on fear. And our community is not based on a conspiracy theory. And our community is not based on us against them. In fact, someone from any of those other communities could walk in here and we could love them. White supremacists could come in here and we could have a place for them. A polyamorous family group could come in here and we could have a place for them. Someone who believed the earth is flat and that everything else is a conspiracy. And we could have a place for them and we would be confident that the truth of Jesus would eventually overcome their untruth of bad astronomy, warped understanding of what love and family is, and racism. We are calmly confident that the truth of Jesus Christ can overcome all those things. And we could do all of that without having to compromise any of our own relationship with God or any of our own scriptures. In fact, our scriptures lead us toward that sort of thing. That's why we're the hope of the world. Because God wants his lost children to be gathered in. That's what we're all about. We have the truth. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have unconditional love to give. What more do we need? We have the truth. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have unconditional love to give. And the community found here, it meets all needs. And it assuages all fears. And it replaces all falsehood with truth. This is a great thing to be a part of. This is why Jesus prayed in the upper room with the disciples the night before the cross. And he prayed a big prayer for their unity and their community. You remember that in John chapter 17? Jesus said, I pray they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, I pray they may be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them. You are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So knowing the power of community, what's our prescription? Our prescription is to show up for community and don't ask, what's in it for me? Don't ask, am I up for this today? Do I have time for this? Is this good? See, we're living in a very secular time. And in a very secular time, what matters the most is economy and advancement. All the decisions we make about what we're going to do and we're not going to do, what our kids are going to do, what our kids are not going to do, are based on, will it lead to money? Will it lead to their personal advancement? And you put community through that filter and it's not going to go well. You show up to community and you don't ask, if I come to church today, will I get a paycheck for that? Some of us will, but not very many. (laughs) If I bring my kids into church community, will they get a scholarship for it? There's other things I could take them to right now that they might might get a scholarship for. No, probably not. Probably not. But they will get community. And they will get the truth of God. And they will get life. And that makes all that other stuff worth having. If you have the biggest paycheck in the world, what does it matter if you have no community and you do it all alone? If your kids get a full ride to the most prestigious school in the universe and live out their life without community, without the love of God, truth, what's it all worth? In fact, they'll trade all that later someday and believe crazy stuff in order to have community at some point in the future. 
Jesus said, what will it profit you if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? This is where you gain your soul. Never ask, I don't feel up for it today, or I don't need it today, or what's in it for me, because it's often about what you're going to give to someone else. The conversation that you're going to have out in the parking lot that you don't know you're going to have yet. That you're going to bring the word of God and a breath of encouragement to someone and you didn't know. It's about what you brought. You make community better just by showing up for it. So show up and, and don't ask what's in it for me or do I need it today. Community is that powerful. And what's something else we learned from the pandemic? Last thing we have time for today. Prayer matters. Prayer matters. So those first few days, we had the mad scramble. You know, what do you do with a congregation that no longer is allowed to congregate? Can you make a church out of that? You guys did a great job. You did a great job. You found ways to pull together, to be together, to look after one another, to continue to study, pray, worship, meet. For the staff, especially in that first month or six weeks, we were pretty much limited to about two activities. We could cut videos and we could pray. And didn't you get a lot of videos from us? <laughs> we can cut videos and we can pray. So when we weren't cutting videos, we said, let's just get on the phone and let's just call people and just ask, how can I pray for you? You, you probably got some calls from people in the church. You probably got a couple of them. I prayed for the sick. I prayed for the tired. Prayed for the hurting. I've never prayed like that. My prayer list is normally about a half sheet of paper with a bunch of names on it. During that time, it grew to nine pages. It would take me two, two and a half, sometimes three hours every morning to pray through the whole thing. Never prayed like that. Don't you know people were also having babies? People were also getting jobs. I talked to one gal, she'd gone on her first prayer retreat. The women had a prayer retreat during the lockdown. She'd never been on one before. She went, she just couldn't stop talking about how much she'd met with God. So people were growing spiritually. I've never, ever prayed. I've never felt a connection with all of you like that. I could have run into almost any one of you and and said, did your daughter get that job? How are you feeling? Did that contract come through? Have you decided if you're going to move or not? I mean, we just just knew everything about each other. And I've never seen God move so much. Nine pages and 25% of it was answered prayers. Because you pray for someone one week and then you call them back a week or two later and God has moved and you get to see that. I left it on the prayer list to, to say thank you and just as a reminder, God is moving. In some ways, it's a shame we ever had to reopen. I thought this must have been what the pastor was doing in a little house on the prairie. He was writing his sermon. He put a little paint on the church fence and then he just rode around on his horse from farm to farm and said, how can I pray for you? It's a shame I, in some ways, I had to come back here and do church budgets and plan construction projects and make calendars. You know what? We don't have to lose that power because I'm not the only person in the church that can pray. And that team of people that were making those calls. They're not the only people in the church that can pray. We can all pray. James chapter 5. Are any of you suffering hardship? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. 
Are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The earnest prayers of a righteous person have great power and produce wonderful results. So what's our prescription? Ask everyone you know, how can I pray for you this week? You're already asking people, how you doing? How's it going? It's so easy to say, how can I pray for you this week? And then I write it on a piece of paper, but you, you could probably type it into your phone. As you walk away from that conversation, just put it into your phone. And next time you pray, pull up the list of all the people you ran into. I asked the guy who put the roof on this building like three times, how can I pray for you this week? And, and he had stuff for me. And I asked my neighbor standing out in the yard, how can I pray for you this week? And he had stuff for me. I asked my atheist buddy, how can I pray for you this week? And he said, well, well thanks. And he had stuff for me. So easy. And you will see God move and watch how community will grow because you'll know what's going on in people's lives. And you'll care and it binds you together and you'll see the power of God just from asking, how can I pray for you this week? So there's a lot more that we could learn from the pandemic and and we're not done yet with the pandemic or the learning, but this is enough for today. So we're gonna review these prescriptions, but I encourage you to pick one of these. Pick one of these. I'd even pick the one that that you're already the closest to doing. You can do two or all three, but there's no need to be an overachiever like that. Take it from a recovering overachiever. You don't have to do that. Just Just pick one. Memorize one of these scriptures. Matthew 6, 4. Psalm 23, 4. Proverbs 3, 5. And when you feel anxiety as many times a day as you need to, pray that back to the Lord and turn that back over to him. Don't do anything to make it worse. In fact, turn right around and do something good for someone right there around you. Show up for community and don't ask, do I need this today or do I have time for this today or what's in it for me today? Show up. God will be there. Ask everyone you meet, how can I pray for you this week? Record it. Pray for them. Watch God move. One other thing I learned... um, is that you guys are the greatest congregation ever. Your love for one another, your faithfulness to the Lord, your dedication to one another, absolutely astounding. It is my very great privilege to live my life and raise my family with all of you.